DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. Alright, what's up, podcast? Um, we're back this week. I've been off for a few weeks, and uh, I sound like shit, but I got Jared Bevel on today. And Jared, I know you through the brewing industry. I uh, met you a few years ago. You have Red River Brewing, and so I wanted to get you on and let the listeners kind of hear you know, your passion behind the business and what it is to be in the industry and then also hear about other things you have going on. So what's up, man? How are you? I'm great, man. I'm doing good. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me on DJ. Yeah. It's, it's been, uh, it's, it's, it's been fun getting to know you and now we're doing, we do a lot of business together. Yeah. The brewery. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I have Red River Brewing Company. I've been doing that full time since August of 16. So about three and a half years, but we actually started that in my garage um, about 2010, 2011. So um, I started that with two other guys, and then we got incorporated. We raised a little bit of money, opened in 2013, did that while we kept our day jobs. So we would go to work Monday through Friday, and then at night and on the weekends, we would uh, work on the brewery. So on, on Saturdays, we would actually get up about 3, 3.30 a.m. We'd start brewing about 4 a.m., and then we would run that till about 2 a.m. on Sunday. So we worked about a 20, 22-hour day. We well, you're still doing your full-time job during the week, I guess, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And so that got to we did that for about a year and a half, almost two years. And while we were doing that, we were raising we – so we were doing our day jobs, we were running the brewery, and then we were trying to raise money. We actually went through Cohab's. Uh, business program at that time okay and then we went through uh, the EAP program the entrepreneur accelerator program uh, immediately following that so uh, it was it was a wild couple years we each a couple of us had a few kids during that time and then uh, in April of 2016 we moved up to our new facility that we're in now and so we've been there almost four years and then last year, um, almost a year, I, I've been over at the Entrepreneur Accelerator Program doing startup consulting. Okay. So let's say somebody comes in like yourself, you say, I have an idea for a new business or I want, I have my existing business, I have an idea for a new revenue model or a new vertical or I'm having trouble deciding when I hire employees or right. how I grow, you can come to us and, and, and we're really just business consultants and we help walk you through um, the lean canvas and walk you through how to grow your business and how to scale your business or how to bring your idea um, to the actual market. Okay. I um, also do a little bit of real estate investing. I've been doing that since 2012 um, and I have a niche that I focus on in that and then I am. I just recently bought, this will be my fifth house to try to flip. I just bought it last week. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, um, as we were mentioned, we were kind of chatting with earlier, I, one of the things I, I, I kind of fight with is, is am I productive or am I busy? Yeah. Um, I was on, on my way over here to meet you. I had to push everything about 15 minutes. I have one meeting that kind of moves, and then I have to juggle the other Yep, ones. that's the whole, the whole fun day, man. One thing moves, you have to adjust everything. Yeah, but it's, it's fun. I enjoy it. Um, I try to take every day as much as I can that it comes and try to get the most out of it. But, um, but yeah, that's that's... For about the last four to five years, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. So, now, I want to talk about, and I didn't realize you were in so many different other things, which is awesome. So, I guess we'll get to that, too. But I want to talk about, now, the brewing industry as a whole, because you said you started in 2011. And um, I feel like that's kind of when you started seeing breweries kind of come up. 
because if you go to different towns and stuff now, you see a lot of, you know, that's the way to, to go. Like, you want to go hang out at a brewery, get some food, get some good local craft beer. So what what made you get into that? Yeah. Well, uh, a couple reasons. Number one, you, you brought up a good point. So this year, there will be 10,000 licensed microbreweries or uh, craft breweries in, yeah. in the U.S. That's insane. It's crazy. So if you go back to 2011 when we started looking at doing this, there was about 1,800. Okay. By the time we launched in 2013, uh, 13, 14, when we started kind of raising money and scaling, that number ballooned up to over 4,000. So if you figure in a in a four-year period, we've almost doubled. Yeah. But we haven't grown market share so much. So... The big thing for us, for me personally, starting out and wanting to do it, was there had not been a, a operating brewery in Shreveport, Bossier, since before Prohibition. So it had gone that's, back about 100 years. That's crazy. Yeah, and to me, I, I have a, a, a business background or financial background. Um, I, have, I have a finance degree and. Really, the challenge of, of doing something that is, had never been done in this market, I think, is really what appealed to me. Yeah. And then the fact that it was beer, and um, I grew, where I grew up, um, my dad had a manufacturing business, so I think marrying that, the industrial side, with the business side, yeah. and going, okay, we're going to cut a new trail here. Mm-hmm. Nope. There wasn't even a city license on the books for what we wanted to do. Okay. Really, that kind of personal challenge of, can you do this? Um, is really kind of what appealed to me. Okay, well, so what did you do before you got into making that a business? You, you started that on the weekends. What were you doing as a full-time job? Yeah, so I, I'm i originally from Winfield, Louisiana. Okay, which is probably, what, two hours west of here? Yeah, yeah. so it's it's in between uh, Ruston and, and, and Alexandria, so right. it's, it's, it's kind of an isolated place. My um, That's where my family is. They came uh, a couple hundred years ago. They came prior prior to Civil War, so my family's been there a long time. Um, my I went to school at Tech for about three years. Tr- ended up transferring to LSU. Yeah. My I got engaged. My wife was from Bossier. I moved up here after I um, um, after leaving Baton Rouge, and I uh, started at Willis Knighton Health System. Okay. And I never left. I worked there about twelve years. So I started there um, actually in February of 2005, and uh, I just I just stayed there, and, and they were very good to me, and yeah. I, I wore a couple different hats there. Yeah. And in the interim, I started the brewery as I worked there, and they were they were uh, very gracious and worked with me to, okay. to try to do that. So uh, so yeah, I worked there from 2005 until 2016, and and really kind of in a financial background and using that skill set. Yeah. But um, but yeah, um, been doing, been kind of operating the business day to day for for about three and a half, four years. Well, that's exciting. So it, here's another thing that I know a lot of people don't know about. I know about it because I've asked you guys about it. But so you, when you guys started and launched, you were actually distributing beer, right? Right. And so we're in Louisiana, so the state law here, I know there's like a there's a little gray area to where you can't serve food and liquor. If you're distributing beer, so how does that all work? And what was your guys like? You know, how did y'all get through all that and figure out what you wanted to do? Yeah. So and, when, when, and also, are the laws the same in other states, or is it just here? 
Well, each state is, is different. Okay. So we're we're a strict three tier state. So when I say three tier, there's three tiers in between the consumer and the manufacturer. Yeah. So the manufacturer sells to a distributor. That's one tier. The distributor sells to a bar, restaurant, or grocery store. That's a second tier. The bar, grocery store, restaurant sells to the consumer. That's a third tier. Right. So there's three separations. When you so in, in the state of Louisiana, you can have one of if you want to make beer, you can have one of two licenses. You can be a manufacturer, and that's the path that you sell. You sell to a distributor who then sells, right. follows that path. Or you can be what we are now, which is a, a microbrewery, right. which for all intents and purposes is a brew pub. Yeah. When you're a brew pub, what you can do is you can still make your own beer, but you can also bring in wine and liquor. Yeah. But what it what it limits you on is you're not able to sell out into the market. You're no longer you're sitting in that third tier. You're sitting in the retail tier. Right. So I can't turn around and sell to a distributor who then sells in a bar, right. restaurant, grocery store. The only place you can buy my beer is at my facility. Okay. So when we started, we started on the manufacturing side, and going back to what we were talking about earlier, the amount of growth, the market growth that the U.S. and Louisiana had in the number of, of breweries. Yeah, we um, we kind of took a look at it and said we feel like that we know that the market has not doubled the, the, the total size of the market or tripled, even though the number of competitors has. Yeah. So all, all that was happening, or all that has happened, probably in the last few years, is you've cut up the pie between more players. Yeah. And so we felt like we would do better as a micro brewer by bringing in the wine, liquor, and the food. Okay. And so in May of 2018, we actually changed our license from a manufacturer to a micro brewer and, and really kind of pulled out of the market, sold our equipment. Um, we had to rewrite a city law. It wasn't even legal to do what we wanted to do in the city of Shreveport, so we had to go to the city's attorney's office and get it get it passed. So you talk about kind of cutting a trail. We yeah. turned around and did it again. Um, kind of a scary time, to be quite honest. Yeah, um, a bit. When you have all that invested, and then you're trying to figure out what, what your next move is going to be. Yeah. But for us, it was just, you know, we had built a, a model to be able to sell our beer in about three to four states. Yeah. And we were not seeing that type of growth. Gotcha. So we had kind of hit a wall. And so we were either going to die a slow death or somewhat of a fast death, or we had to change and go a different direction. And that's what we did. Yeah. Okay. Well, from there, you, you make that shift and then you're able to start implementing. Um, you brought in um, a guy who had a, he was a chef and you were starting to implement local food mm -hmm. and then then you're able to bring in I, I feel like doing the brew pub thing you're able to bring in more things like you're be a little more diverse and offer your the public a little more a few other things and then plus you have like a you have other businesses in there with you too right. so y'all do like you have like um a butcher in there mm -hmm. and then you have like a glass blowing right and then i don't what else you guys have going on is that all you have in there right now or oh yeah and then you have the food of course right yeah. So, yeah, we um, initially, when we transitioned to the food side, we, we worked with Chef Anthony Fallon. He brought in his concept, Fat Calf uh, yeah. Luxury. Um, he did very well with that. And then he has now gone and, and moved on to a standalone facility right. right there at the corner of Kings and Cresswell. It's doing very well. Um, but, yeah, he was there for about a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then we just kind of had a mutual uh, separation the standpoint of we felt like it was more beneficial business-wise for both parties to kind of 
right. go our own way. And um, and so in September of this past year, we took over the food operation. But yeah, you brought up, we have um, Smith Family Farms that's yeah. located in our facility. They have a meat processing facility. You've got a our brewery. You've got right. also our restaurant. And then you have Sanctuary Glass Studio, which has been there about a year now. So I imagine we're probably one of the only places in the country that has a restaurant, a operating a brewery, um, a meat processing facility, and glass blowing all over yeah, one that's, room. It's pretty unique, but not only that, you're able to, these businesses are able to get more exposure by using your facility, which is exciting because it's not just like, you're not cohesively using everything that operates under the, like the beer, you know what I mean? Right. And that's kind of exciting. And you're giving, there's more experience at your facility now. People will come there as a destination to drink and hang out, listen to music, or do other things. Well, in, in business, you want to niche. Right. So right. You, what can you do differently? And so for us, looking at it and saying, what can make us unique? You talk about experiences. Um, millennials, especially as consumers, are very experience-driven consumers yeah. and customers. So what can we do to separate ourselves from the next restaurant or yeah. the next brewery down the street? Well, by bringing that all together, we feel like that helps provide the niche that we have. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome. So you were talking about millennials, and you seem to be very educated on market and the business. What's your... How does that mend together with running a, a brewery where most people, you see breweries come up, usually that's not business-minded individuals. You know what I mean? Usually it's people who enjoy to drink, hang out, but really don't have a lot of drive to, to create something massive or profitable. Yeah. Well, I think um, I think you do have a certain segment of, of, I guess, operators in the brewery industry that are really... Um, passion-driven right. individuals, but I do think you, as the market's grown and as the opportunity's grown, you've had a lot more people, a lot more business or money people get into it. Um, we were definitely probably in the, in the passion-oriented sector, yeah. and, and that's good and bad. Because um, you start in the, in the garage. You start in the garage. Awesome. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it is a business, yeah. and, and you have to figure out how to make money and how to monetize mm -hmm. it and understand your market. Um, for us, I think we, we've we learned a lot by making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, of course. That's the name of the game in anything. Yeah, I mean, we, we uh, one of the meetings I had today was, was, you know, trying to focus on how we drive more lunch business because we yeah. feel like I have, to have an opportunity there. So by no means do we have it all figured out. But honestly, to me as a person, the challenge is what I get bored with the mundane, and, that, and that's one I'm of the reasons. Same, I understand. That's one of the that's one of the reasons I I probably do too much or do too many things. Yeah. Is when something is is kind of in a set of stasis, um, I get a little bored and I want to move on to the next one. I like I like starting at the bottom of the mountain and trying to climb up, and then when you get to the top, um, you know. There's either another mountain to go exactly. over, or you turn around and look back and go, okay, let's go back down and go back and, and, and do it again. Yeah. But um, but we've made a ton of mistakes along the way. But I, I tell you, um, the main thing with that is just learning from them mm -hmm. and not repeating them, and then and then coming back and doing it again. But but our market for for what we're trying to appeal to is definitely. Um, if you just focus on millennials or true craft consumers, they're 
they're um, they're not so loyal. Right. And so we have to figure out ways to to build a, a loyal customer following. To, to, to have that consistent revenue. And, and that's that's just something that, that all businesses, I think, struggle yeah. with. It's customer retention. How do you, how do you keep refilling the funnel? Yeah. And, and how do you keep a customer and not try to, you know, have this a different subset come in all the time? Well, so we talked about some of the business stuff. I want to get into the beer. I'm not a beer guy, okay? Yeah. Growing up in high school, yeah, I drink beer. We drink whatever we could, you know? Um, I'm not a real, I'm not a crap beer guy. I prefer whiskey or tequila, mm -hmm. but I love what the industry's done for beer because you have all these different options and then you can like mix liquor with beer and all those things. So what what's some of your like stories or you know some info behind what's what's changed in the actual beer industry? Yeah. So we're you know innovation is big in our industry yeah. and, and staying on the forefront of that. At the same time, uh, innovation can be uh, a fickle friend. Mm -hmm. If you if you catch it on the back end or what's what's perceived as a trend, and you try to chase it too hard, uh, you may not. It may be short lived. So our most successful beer is actually a very traditional beer. It's a German lager that is really their beer garden beer. That's our best seller. Okay. It's the hardest beer to make that we make, and luckily our brewer, Austin Wisby, does a really good job of brewing it. We, we actually won the bronze medal in the U.S. Open Beer Cup for that beer uh, two years ago. Where is that at? Uh, it's up in Ohio. That's awesome. That's, that's an achievement right there to be said in 10,000 breweries in the yeah. States, man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, um, but at the same time, your, your craft people like variety, yeah. and, they, and so... Um, hazy IPA is is been a trend for probably the last two or three years. It's still a big, it's still a big trend. Sour beers are becoming more popular. Uh, fruited beers are becoming popular right. now. Seltzer water is is is, yeah, a, is a trend. Uh, what is it? Truly and um, the other one, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Truly. White Claw. White yeah, Claw. Yeah. One, one of them's a Sam Adams brand. Okay. Um, but. The next trend, and one of the ones that we're going to start trying to work on, is non-alcoholic beer. Because going back to millennials, you know, a lot of uh, there's a study that about thirty percent of, of millennials list drinking less as a as a goal for themselves. Yeah. They want to be social. They want to go out and interact. They want to hold something in their hand, mm -hmm. but they don't want the negative health effects that alcohol right. has. So making a, uh, I think you've probably seen Heineken has come out with a product yeah. that they're advertising now. So making a craft beer or a full-flavored beer that's not alcoholic is probably the next growth curve that a lot of breweries are. So to your point, yeah, there's constantly some type of innovation going. you got to kind of keep your ear to the ground. But at the same time, you've got to do it your own way mm -hmm. and make it to where it makes sense for your brand and your local market. So what is – because I know there's still people out there doing their own thing or trying to, you know, being that it's such a, a popular and it's still trending – and people love it. They love the, being able to go and get craft beer, different types of drinks that aren't available anywhere else. And then going back to experience that like we were talking about, what would be some advice you would give people possibly listening to this show that wanted to get into this industry? And yeah. not, not just on a business perspective, but just overall all the things you've been through. <laughs> well, the first thing I would say, anybody that's wanting to start a business is um, – the mental side of it is huge. Yeah. Um, you know, you go through a roller coaster of emotions of we're doing great, we're 
we're doing okay to we're completely dead. And that may be in a, in a one-hour period that you go through all that, much less of a period of weeks or months. Yeah. So um, start small, I think, is, 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 is key, too, because you're going to make mistakes. And you want to be in an environment to where uh, little mistakes don't kill you. So you yeah. want to have a little bit of cushion there. And we tried to do that when we started out. We wanted to prove to ourselves that we could actually make the product and make it successfully. And we learned a lot during that time. But I think the biggest, the two, the two biggest things I would tell people or what I try to impress upon people working at EAP is number one, there's a difference between a, having a business and creating a product. Yeah. So a lot of times people come up with an idea and it may be a great idea and it may be a great product or it may be a great service, but do people want to part with their money with it? Right. You know, is, is that a problem that someone wants to really solve or is your idea or innovation or iteration unique enough different from an existing product in the market to make someone want to part with their money for it? Can you go against the big boy that's already established in the market and that in craft beer that's yes it's it's beer yeah but can you make a product either that's either through branding or flavor or whatever it is experience that makes you be able to pull the drinker over from Michelob Ultra or Bud Light or whatever um, and then the other thing that I would say is making sure that you focus on your business enough, going back to and the market, yeah. and not just being fixated over your product. Yeah. So a lot of people, when we, you sit down and talk to them about their business, that all they want to do is talk about the product features. They're emotional they about their product. They like are too emotional. They have the best yep. looking baby in in the, yep. <laughs> in, in the nursery. Yeah, and all they can see is how good looking their baby exactly. is and what it is, and they're not so focused on what the broader market sense or how they're going to compete. Yeah. And look, I've been guilty of that. I, you know, it happens. It is, and you or you get so focused on how you're going to build your you know your facility or how you're going to. And you're not really looking at going, what's my packaging look like? Yeah. How am I going to get distribution? How am I going to get it on the shelf? How am I going to advertise? How am I going to get customers? Yeah. How am I going to retain customers? I mean, again, I've been there a thousand times. And so as I look back of where we kind of fell short, we were not focused enough on how we were going to inquire customers, how much effort that was going to take, yeah. how many shelves I needed to get on, and what was the plan to get there? And so what I try to do in, in consulting with folks is, is take that approach of people and go, look, yeah, you got a good-looking baby, yeah. but, but when it's time to, to, to go out and, and really turn this into a business, how many doors does baby need to knock on to, to be able to sell enough yep. money to be self-sustaining? And what are those doors, and what are you going to tell them when you get to those Yeah, doors? what separates your baby from someone else? And what you were talking about earlier, what I love, because I'm in the marketing industry, so I see this a lot is people focus so much okay so they have a good product they get a little bit of attention and then they focus on trying to be the biggest player too quick and then quality control goes out the window the product goes to shit or they try to grow too fast and they don't have their ducks in a row and then it fails so all those moving parts mean something but I think it all goes back to quality first you gotta have the quality down and then you focus on okay how am I gonna grow what's my branding strategy what separates me from this other competitor that has billions of dollars they're making off this one beer or whatever it may be you know so branding's a key and that's one of the things that, that, that we probably have struggled with or 
not not done as good a job as I would like to. Because branding, if you build it right, it's almost like your customer retention piece. Yeah. If you can build a, if you can build a strong enough brand that kind of stands on its own. You're not constantly going out there and playing whack-a-mole to bring customers. Right. In. If people know, um, if you attract people for whatever reason, whether you're cool, you're socially conscious, you're eco-conscious, whatever that speaks to your target customer base that really captures them and pulls them in and creates them loyal, Yeah. that is such a powerful attribute to your brand that lets people to where you're not waking up every day going... Man, I got to sell to 500 people today. Who are those 500 people, and how are going to? How am I going to get them? Yeah. If you've got those 500 people that love you, that are already going to be coming back, that goes back to your exactly. branding and your experience. Yeah, I think there's so many. Everyone's so focused on sell, sell, sell now, and they don't worry about the core brand. You know, like these brands that have been around forever. I did a, um, I did a seminar and like a piece on this probably a year ago talking about the progression of Pepsi Cola from when it started until where it's at now. You know, this there was a big text logo with all kind of writing and everything on it and then progressively over a hundred years everyone in the world knows what that symbol is yeah. when they see it. Right. That's a perfect job of branding. Right. Target, McDonald's, whatever it may be, they're world renowned and known. You know and um, it's because they've done branding. They've done it right. That's right. You know, and, and it, it's like you get to the point where you, if someone sees that symbol, they know what the, the name of the company is or whatever it may be without even having to look it up or even think about it. Well, a perfect example of that is, you know, a three-year-old or four-year-old that can't read yet, but they see the McDonald's arches or they see the yeah. Target emblem. They can't read Target, but they know what that is exactly. based on going in and having the experience, yep. buying the products. And then there's an, you know, that logo or that branding is strong enough to where it resonates with them. Yeah. And then that's what we're all, you know, what we're all trying to shoot for. Um, but when you're, those guys have teams. And oh, teams yeah, of course. Teams. Of course. But, you know, what, to me, what, if you, as we, as we talk to entrepreneurs and people that come in, when you have a mix of someone that um, gets the product, maybe has the operational side but also understands the market side and the broader scope and has that sense, you know when you're talking to them probably within the first 10 or 15 minutes, like this person may not, it's not a guaranteed success, but they are going to have a lot stronger, their chances of success are a lot greater versus the guy that walks in and is really just, because a lot of times what you have is, man, I got this great idea for this new thing but I have no idea how to build it. I yeah. can see it in my mind, right. but I have no idea how to build it. I've got to outsource it. Or you have this person that's a really skilled technician or craftsman, and they can build that, but they have no idea how to go out and Exactly. Sell There's always one or the other. It's, it's very hard to find someone that has both starting right. out. It, it just really is. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's the whole you bet on the jockey or the pony. Yep. And when you have a winning a winning horse... It's you got a you got a great horse and you got a great jockey on top yeah. of it and that's yeah. and that's really kind of what separates because we're you know this day and age when you have a business and depending upon the product you're, we're competing globally. Oh yeah, I mean everything's available at scale. You have a phone, you can reach the world in your hands. Whereas fifty years ago, you could only reach ten miles down the road. Right. So you're only competing with okay if you're the only brewery. In the 10-mile radius, you got the monopoly. Right. Whereas now, you can't do that. It just works differently now. And 
it's a gift and a curse. We, we, we take it, we're used to it, we accept it, but I still remember a time when that was non-existent. Right. You know what I mean? So it's changing the whole game, and people are still in that old-school mindset of thinking they can do things the way they used to, and then they are upset whenever it doesn't work. Yeah. It's like, I tell people this all the time. People are like, well, I don't use Facebook, or I don't know how to do it. I don't, I don't like Instagram. Well, guess what? You didn't know how to drive a car either. Right. But you had to learn. Yeah. Because if you're not competing in that in that market share, you're going to be dead in five years, you know? Yeah, there's an old saying here <coughs> that it's, it's, it's easier to overcome a mediocre product with really good marketing than it is to overcome a really good product with mediocre exactly. marketing. Exactly. I mean, you see that all day with, with fast food joints. Yeah. They're not the best hamburger that you can find, but they're convenient, mm-hmm. and you know what you're going to get, and their branding's so strong yep. that, that it draws you in. But, but yeah, I think right now we live in the greatest time in the history of the world. I truly believe that. And part of that is there's more opportunity and more availability for someone to be successful. But to your point about that's a blessing and a curse, the flip side of this, there's more competition. Always. Everyone's a competitor now. Yes. So you just have to understand that going in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you if you want to compete or you want to do something, there's never been a better or easier time to do that right. than now. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think the only – this is what I think, and I look at it a lot, um, just trying to project the future in my industry is – Okay, once we achieve, we're, we're at the you know at the top to where there's so many competing brands and there's so many competing services. I think it's going to go back to worth ethic and accountability and stuff like that. To where used to, you had different choices and there may be someone who was lacking in this. But I feel like people are. What I'm getting is people appreciate service more than they did ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many different options now. Yeah. You know, where there wasn't before. So they may, okay, well, my trip to this restaurant was okay, and it's the only one around, so it is what it is. You know, whereas now I have 10, op- 10 options, and I'm going to go to the one that treats me the best, has the best service, you know. That's right. I mean, you see that right now. Look at the shift that's going on in retail. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> man, that, that's a hard game to be in right now. It is. And, re- you know, what is it? Pier 1 just filed for bankruptcy. Um, just saw that. Um, but where those guys are trying to go or the ones that are trying to understand is going back to the, we used the word experience earlier. How to experience service, however you want to yeah. um, try to articulate that. But it's all about when the customer comes in, how did they feel interacting with your product or interacting with your staff and that feeling when they leave is what's going to get them to come back you can get anybody in the door one time but how did how what was what was their experience with your product was it positive negative and what was your experience with your staff and and when i walked out the door did i feel like i got value and did i feel like i was treated well yeah it, i think it all goes to value when you say experience but value too i mean are you providing someone with value? If you're not, you're losing. You need to stop and find something else to do. Yeah. Because now more than ever, people appreciate that, and you got to play on it. Well, yeah. I mean, um, we're, we're right here close to the end, and i got something for you. Okay. I don't know if you have had this, but so have you ever had Dragon's Milk before? Um, uh, yeah, maybe a okay. time or two, but okay. I may have had one yesterday. Nice. Awesome. Well, see, I'm not a big beer drinker, and I know you guys did, um, I don't know if you have one right now, but you guys did like a barrel-aged yeah. 
um, beer, mm-hmm. whiskey barrel aged beer, and I was looking for one. I was somewhere. It's been months ago, and I found this, and I tried it, and I was like, I don't know if he's tried it, but it's got a badass name. It tastes good. I like whiskey. He likes beer. Are we so, gonna drink this right now? I mean, we can have one. Let's do it. <laughs> I just I happen to have a bottle opener. Nice. Yeah, um, I love this beer. In, in fact. You, uh, it looks like it's probably warmed up just a hair, uh, which is perfect. No, for it's, a dark co- beer. it's cold, <laughs> it's, well, <did laughs> but it you, has gotten room temperature since we've been what, here for the past hour. Yeah. So yeah, with a with a dark beer like this, that's got a bunch of um, you know what I what I call nuance or a lot of complexity. If you can let it get up to about fifty degrees, all that kind of comes out, and you know you don't want to drink a really good complex beer ice cold. Okay. The reason the reason that you drink. Bud Miller Coors and Mick Ultra, where it's you know you're masking. Flavor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So no, this is a great beer, man. Uh, this is one of my favorites. So um, oh, awesome, so and cheers. it's really strong. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we make a couple beers like this. We make a beer called Captain's Reserve, which is a vanilla bourbon porter, which is very close to this. And then last year we made a beer called um, Abdication Responsibility, which I think is probably one of the best beers we've ever made. We took a an imperial stout, so much like this beer, and we aged it in Buffalo Trace barrels that had been dumped about 48 hours before we got them. Okay. And so with a barrel-aged beer like that, you're going to get flavors of the bourbon, but what you're also going to get is some of the some of the barrel notes, and so you're going to get vanilla, a little bit of toastiness, some different things that you get in that. But but uh, New Holland, uh, this is a great beer. Yeah, I mean, um, I saw it, and I was like, man, i got to get my hands on this. And I was trying to think of what I could get you, and I was like, well, shit, you got a brewery? Let's, I know you got to like beer. Let's, and I'm not a big beer drinker, but if it tastes like whiskey, I'm down. Yeah. You know? And now, I, um, yeah, it's good. I joke with people, you know, um, they'll, they'll, sometimes they'll say something, not about the amount of beer I drink, because that, that sounds... I'm not, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that can knock back 20 to 30 beers. Right, I'm really right. not. Um, but I can I can drink a few beers and be fine, and, and I, I jokingly tell them I'm a pro. They're like, "Well, how do you, you know, how do you do that? How are you gonna?" So I'm a pro, you know. Yeah. I've been doing this as a as a professional for a few years, but um, no, it's been a really. I tell you, um, I, I feel like I've been very fortunate to uh, to you know have to be involved in the business that I've been involved in, be involved with the partners that I have, um, and you know investors. We've raised money. You know, kind of going back to the personal experience and, and, and really the the journey of life or the, you know, you, you hear things like it's not the destination or it's, it's the journey. It really is, man. It the, really is. The things that I've learned and the personal growth and things that I've had to do that get out of my comfort zone, push myself beyond of where I was. Um, I'm not really af- afraid of much yeah. on the business side now. I've done, I've done bank loans. I've done bank refinancing. I've done. I've raised over a million dollars. Um, I've had to go back to investors, and that, you know, there's just so much that's involved in that. And, and I'll tell you one thing that I have to lean on too. You know, there's there's a lot of sexy businesses out there that um, you know you don't realize. Like Netflix has never they've never turned a net profit. Yeah. Uber never turned a net right. profit. I mean, you've got a lot of these guys that have been duking it yeah. out for years that you. That you really have to grind through. We're just we're just doing it on a micro scale. Yeah. But um, but it's it's really it's really been a fun fun ride. Um, it's been really hard at times, 
but um, it's it's I've learned a lot, and and as I as I do these other things that I'm doing now, and trying to you know counsel people or educate people, trying to let them uh, not trip over the same things that I tripped over, yeah. and try to say don't touch that, that's hot, don't do that. Here's you know I know your baby's really pretty. Yep. Your baby is beautiful, but do people know about your baby? Yep. Let's talk about that side yeah. of it. Let's quit talking about how good looking your baby is. Let, let's talk about something else. Yeah. But um, but no, it's been fun and just like today, being able to you know through this, you and I have gotten to know each other and and um, we get to sit down and chat and have a beer. I know, man. I never would have thought you know a couple years ago when I met you we'd be doing this. It's it's crazy when you go through the process of doing things and. As you get comfortable and you face challenges and you're tested, like you were talking about, that you make a shift or you test yourself or you're like, well, I don't really know if I'm good at this, but I want to try it. Yeah. And this is cool how that plays out, you know? Well, you know, another saying is um, if you have enough, if you have a strong enough why, you can get through anything. Yeah. You can. So at the end of the day, if you, if, if you, when you have to go back, when you get to those tough moments and you roll back and you think about, well, why am I doing this? Or if I have to make this phone call, or if I have to do this thing, you know, why am I doing this? Or what's either what's the downside risk or what's the positive? That's really what you have to hold on to during those during those 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 trial periods. Yeah. And you know, for me, again, going back to the challenge of it, and and and, and really trying to push myself each day to do the best that I can. Um, some days I'm successful at getting up and giving it my all on everything that I do, and some days that I'm not. But each day I have to get up and I have to take that attack at mentality because I don't. I'm one of these people. I don't think we have a thousand tomorrows. A lot I agree. Of us, a lot of us, we kind of. I think a lot of people go through the motions of life, and they they kind of get in a um, in a pattern, or you know they get complacent. And um, you know, I, unfortunately for me, I kind of started pushing myself a while back and and once you start down that path it's really hot, kind of hard to, to roll back it is there. because you know most people live thinking they're going to have 30 years you know because they see everyone else around them growing retiring making all these plans i'm going to stay at this company for 20 years even though i'm not happy because it's just easy to do but when you start realizing that hey all this shit could be gone tomorrow mm-hmm. it changes your mindset it does you know and, you it know, makes I'm, you appreciate things more I'm, how old are you I'm 30. Yeah, I'm 38. I just okay. turned 38, and you know, I've had a, I've had a few friends, colleagues pass over the last probably yeah. two or three years, and, and when you see that, and for me, a lot of it is I don't want to leave a mess for either my family or, or my partners or whatever. Right. So you know, when something's broken, and that's hard for the hard part is hard to get people to understand that aren't in that man, that mindset or that mentality of why you're pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah. And your your foot's on the gas, and, and the people that aren't in that, they kind of look at you like your head's screwed they, on they do. sideways. They don't. They can't grasp it. It's just it's just so you know different for them. Yeah, but um, but it's 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 fun interacting with like minded people, and and, and 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 getting in the. That's one of the things that I've really enjoyed is is you know whether it's the entrepreneur community or the doer community, getting to interact with people um, like yourself. I, I would have never been able to been on a podcast. Had, yeah, had, had, I would have been. I would have had a really nice job. Yeah, and continue to do that. And at some point, my life may change, and I may go back to doing something like yeah. that. But, um, but being able to, um, to to do things like this is is really what I feel like is a privilege and a unique opportunity that it only comes through through some of the experiences. Yeah. Well, dude, I've had a good time today, and um, 
I mean, if you have anything else you want to add, if not, man, we're going to wrap this thing up. No, um, the only thing I would say is if anybody's out there listening, and especially in our local area that, that has an idea for a business or has an existing business that's wanting to, to grow or, or scale and you don't you don't maybe know which way to go or you need need a either a shoulder to cry on or a brain to borrow or some brains to borrow, come look us up at, at EAP, the Entrepreneur Accelerator Program over yeah. at VRF. We've got a team of people over there that can um, that can help help you grow your business and some of us have been sitting in the seat that you're sitting in if you're considering um, starting something and um, you know there's a lot of cool things happening here in our local area but um, I always like meeting new people and because and, and, the thing for me I may pull an idea from that's the beautiful part of what I do is you know there, a lot of times there's a lot of people smarter than me that I yeah. can interact with and I may go hey man that, that's a really good thought that's a really good idea and and so um, that's the only thing I would say is is, is come talk come talk with us come chat with us and maybe we can help you or maybe you can help us and um, and let, let's keep moving forward awesome man well that's all I got dude and thank you for being on the podcast everyone please subscribe all right cheers <laughs>